The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and the guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Increase the Reality with Shane Jones. What is up, Inquirers? And welcome to the expanse of deep, open-minded conversation. I'm the one they call Shane, and in today's discussion... We ponder the idea of disclosure and what the true intentions could possibly be behind it all, and if these beings are actually as they appear, and what the religious tie-in's motivation could possibly be. But before we get into this awesome conversation today, of course I have to fly through the front of house stuff, so if you guys aren't already following the show on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, or Discord, highly recommend that you do, especially jumping into the Discord. I want to make sure that we build up an awesome community in there, and it's continuously growing every day, and uh, the only way you can ever know what all that fun's about is if you hop in and help out. So anything that you guys hop in, follow all that, greatly appreciated, so don't forget to do that if you haven't already. And uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, or having me as a guest on your show possibly, or if you're interested in sponsoring the show in some way, shape, or form, definitely get a hold of me. Uh, the best means of doing so is through Instagram, Facebook, or through the email or submit form that's available on the link tree. Uh, if you guys are going to email me, that is inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com. And beyond that, if anybody has an encounter that they would like to report, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter if it's extraterrestrial, uh, paranormal, uh, cryptid related, uh, weird anomaly happening, uh, anything like that, anything, no matter how big or small, I want to hear about it. I want to be able to either discuss it on the show or possibly keep it between us and be able to maybe possibly investigating, investigate it depending on how far you are from me. But if anybody wants to do that, you guys can get a hold of me through OMM encounter reports at outlook.com or you guys can go to the link tree filled this submission warm for that. That should be the third one down, not the contact me, but the report and encounter submission form, of course. And uh, if you can't get enough of what I do, don't forget to go and check out my other show, Bizarre Encounters, that I do over there with my awesome co-host, Orrin Felix. Uh, we dive into cryptids, paranormal, uh, UFOs, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals, folklore, any type of weird being whatsoever. I guarantee you at some point we will come around and we will definitely cover it over there. I have a lot of fun recording it. Uh, I'm sure you guys have a lot of fun listening to it. Uh, we do do some interviews over there, of course, but the primary point of that show is that it's Orrin and I deep diving into different things that we research. So a little bit different of a format than this show, but all the same, I definitely think you guys will enjoy it. And uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on everything I do, don't forget to go and follow Open Minds Media across social media. I keep everything under that name to make it a little bit easier for myself as far as the YouTube, TikTok, and Discord go. All of those are under Open Minds Media, of course. 
And if you guys want to support the show, a couple different ways to do so. Number one, of course, is to become a Patreon member. And over there, you'll get things such as early access to episodes, lives of episodes, ad-free episodes, uh, live replays of episodes, which is the raw video format, uh, exclusive merch store discounts, uh, exclusive giveaways, uh, and I'm always expanding over there. So if you guys have any suggestions that you guys would like to see as far as the Patreon goes, definitely shoot me a message and let me know. And uh, I do have the option for a seven-day free trial for the $5 tier. So if you guys want to check it out and see what it's all about, uh, definitely recommend going and doing so. Uh, and if you guys like it, then you guys can stick around. And if you guys have any suggestions after checking it out, again, I'm always more than happy to hear them. And uh, if anybody wants to donate to the show directly, make it so that I can get out and get to more events or possibly even build up to be able to, be able to uh, do this full time, which is, you know, that's the dream. That's the intention, of course. You guys can donate through uh, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate, let me know what you guys donated if it doesn't give you some type of option to leave a personalized message, because of course, I want to give you guys a big shout out in the show. Uh, number three is to go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store. Over there, there's designs for Bizarre Encounters, Increase of All Reality, some other crypto designs I created. And uh, I'm always trying to expand that too. So again, if you guys have any suggestions as far as stuff you guys would like to see over there, such as more cryptid shirts possibly, definitely let me know and I can coordinate it and make it so that there's more of what you guys want over there. And uh, like I said with the Patreon, you do get exclusive merch store discounts. So highly recommend going and checking out both of those, of course. And the fourth way you guys can support the show is through leaving reviews or ratings on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever other podcatcher that you use. And those will help to boost up the show in the algorithm uh, and make it so that more people can see the show, keep spreading the community out and making it so there's more reach for the show. But the only way that's going to happen is with your guys' help. So any review, no matter what, hopefully five stars. Uh, if you guys leave an awesome review, I will read on the show and of course, give you guys a big shout out. But if you guys have been listening for a while and you don't mind, you know, just give it, give the show five stars, leave the little short, sweet review. I don't, I don't mind at all. Um, anything like that is absolutely wonderful. And I love seeing that kind of stuff from you guys. And uh, of course, don't forget to share the show if you think anybody would really enjoy it. Or if uh, you think somebody would enjoy a particular episode, uh, you guys can share some of the clips with them off the YouTube or the TikTok to make it so they might be interested in it. Or even just play it at work, you know, and never know who might pick up on the show. Uh, make it so that you guys have a little community of people that you guys can talk about all the different things that we discuss on the show at home, of course. And uh, don't forget to uh, check out a few of the different people who sponsor the show, of course. I know Squatch. Uh, I know that they recently dropped a brand new hat design that's uh, like the lumberjack plaid with the cool Squatch logo on it. So I definitely enjoy the lumberjack style. So anybody out there that, that does enjoy that lumberjack style, I think it might be a perfect uh, item to match your guys' outfits, of course. And uh, beyond that, they got a lot of absolutely fantastic Squatch merchandise ranging from a lot of different types of designs, but definitely recommend going and checking out Rick and Hans, at least on Instagram too. They're always posting some inter interesting videos. Uh, I know that they do go out and they speak at certain events and stuff. So don't forget to go and check out I Know Squatch because they are absolutely fantastic. And uh, for all your other cryptid related needs, as far as merchandise and gear goes, don't forget to go and check out Joe over there at Crypto Theology. Always, always killing it and expanding it with all of his awesome designs. Uh, he has not just Squatch, but a lot of other things. So, you know, go to I Know Squatch for all of your just straight Squatch gear and go to Joe over there at Crypto Theology for anything else that you could possibly think of as far as cryptids go, because I know he has almost every single base covered. So if there's a crypt that you're really, really into, I guarantee you that Joe over there has a shirt for it. And uh, for all my paranormal investigators, don't forget to go and check out the Chattergeist. It is the all-in-one paranormal investigating tool. 
And uh, I use it myself every single time I go out in investigations. It's my absolute favorite. Uh, if there's anything I'm going to have in my arsenal, that's probably going to always be the first thing that I grab. And uh, if anybody has any questions on it whatsoever, you guys can hit up Barry over there at Dimension Devices. Uh, super easy guy to talk to, and he is the guy that programs it so he can help you with literally any possible question you can have on this thing. And uh, if anybody wants to go and scoop one for yourself, don't forget to use my affiliate link. Greatly helps out the show, of course. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show. Podcaster and researcher Patrick Roy, how's it going today, man? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolute, absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. I know that we tried to schedule something a while ago, and then you had a moment where you kind of stepped away from your show and didn't want to be a guest on anything. So I'm glad you came back around. I'm glad that you're uh, continuing the podcast because I always hate to see podcasters leave, man. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a learning process and uh, it's an experience that uh kind of learning as i go and figuring it out as i go and i kind of hit on what works for me you know and um just kind of building from there so i just i got to a point where i'm only going to do what i can do myself so i'm not dependent on you know anybody else or you know anything else but whatever i can do to my with my abilities and my skills then that's by myself I can bring something to the table. And that was my goal. And I think I've done pretty well in that. I've done okay so far. And it's a, it's a work in progress, focusing on continuous improvement. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Kind of same with all of us, man. And at least the good news is, as far as podcasts go, you start making friends in the community. And if you have any technical questions, anything like that, there's always friends that are around to help you and answer any of your questions. So I mean, that being said, if you ever need help with anything, man, just drop me a message and uh, I can help you out as best as I can. Yeah, appreciate it. So uh, I guess a good spot to get started with, uh, before we get into who you are and what you do, since you brought up your podcast, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your show so they can come and check it out if it sounds like something they might be interested in. Yeah, sure. My podcast is called Aliens for Beginners, and uh, it's it's on Spotify, Apple, uh, iHeart, all the, you know, all the main platforms. It's uh, the, the, ty- the name of the podcast is a little tongue-in-cheek. It's not uh, really geared towards beginners. Um, but, uh, it's, there's some advanced stuff in there, but anybody can listen to it and enjoy it and take something away from it. And I even, I've had, uh, young people, Gen Zers who were never interested in the, in the subject matter at all, come to me and say, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, these praying mantis aliens are really, (laughs) really cool. (laughs) They're really interesting. And, you know, so I, I, you know, I piqued their interest in, uh, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, folks who had no prior interest in this, just people I knew through work or whatever, started listening to it. And then they're asking me questions about this stuff. And uh, So, to me, that's a win. You know, if you pique someone's interest in something that they they had no interest in before, then that's, that's a success there in and of itself. Um, so, I do um, episodes on various alien-type topics. I got a few episodes on the uh, ET soul connection. I've got uh, an episode on Antarctica, uh, the aerial school incident I talk about. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, Dr. Carla Turner, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. 
uh, all that stuff. And I also have a fictional series on there that I write myself. It's called the Carwood Lake Chronicles, and it's a it's a fictional series that I I release a chapter at a time. I write it a chapter at a time, and it's got a, a lot of nice little Easter eggs in there. Stuff that people who are into this subject matter, if they listen to podcasts, if they read books, if they watch TV shows or documentaries, uh, they're going to see stuff in there that's going to ring a bell. So I'll take a little, a little thing that I heard on a podcast. Uh, for example, there's there was one incident, and I don't even I don't even remember what podcast it was from, but an experiencer talked about a guy that he worked with in maybe like a secret military installation that went by the name Thom. Not Tom, but Thom. Tall, skinny guy, always carried around a water bottle. And one day, when he looked at this guy, he had the head of a praying mantis. So that's a character right there, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, right? <laughs> so I so I inserted I inserted Thom into you know one of the chapters, and I made him a a physics professor. And uh, yeah, so stuff like that. So there's there's little hidden gems in there. There's references in there to all kinds of stuff in the aerial school incident, um, Whitley Strieber, uh, you know, anything that you've heard in, uh, ufology, I'm, I'm just dropping little, little Easter eggs in there. It's kind of fun. Uh, and you have to pick those up, but yeah, that's my podcast. Yeah. At least for beginners. Definitely sounds fascinating to me, man. It sounds like a, honestly, I think it's a really good name because it kind of sounds like a survivor's manual or something almost like it says, you know, aliens for beginners, but I feel like it doesn't necessarily have that like ambiance to it. So honestly, I think it's a great name and it seems to accompany kind of everything you cover because it's like telling each individual story to kind of build a framework and foundation for people uh, who may not be aware of the UFO slash alien topic. Yeah. I I have gotten a lot of compliments on, on the, on the name of the podcast as well. So, so good stuff. Positive and uh, of things. course, for everybody that wants to check it out, I'll include the link in the show description, make it quick and easy. Definitely recommend checking it out and supporting other podcasters. And uh, I guess another good spot to start is uh, what exactly got you interested in the uh, UFO slash alien topic and kind of led you up to the point where you decided that you want to start a podcast about it? Uh, well, that's a good question. I've always been into weird stuff like my whole life. So even as a kid, you know, dinosaurs and all that. And um I've always been into the the esoteric and the the, the kind of weird things. Um, I started listening to podcasts probably around maybe eight, nine, ten years ago. I I, uh, I do a lot of driving at work, and I'm not a truck driver or anything. I'm a manager, but I do end up on the road a lot. And I started listening to podcasts. And I got my four or five or six go-tos that I would, that I, you know, Monday morning when I got in the car, I'd start out with, you know, number one, and then I'd work my way through. And um, <clears throat> I, I actually found myself, you know, towards the end of the week, kind of running out of stuff to listen to in my little favorite group of podcasts. And um, I know there's a million podcasts out there too, right? So, and I would poke around and I'd be like, "Eh." so I, so I thought to myself, you know, if I'm in this position, then that means there's other folks in this position. And that means that there's still capacity out there um, to provide content. And then it's like the, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, I could do this. I could do a podcast. And then it becomes, uh, I'm the type of person, once I set my, 
my sights on a goal, I'm going to achieve that goal. And uh, that's how it became with the podcast. I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast. And uh, that's <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. So that that was how the podcast came about was I thought, you know, I could make if I can make a podcast that I would listen to, then that means that, you know, other folks would listen to it as well. So it's kind of See, there's always a niche that needs to get filled. Exactly. And especially yeah. with certain types of personalities, too. It's like everybody kind of connects with different types of podcasters. So you can have right. 10 different shows that are all in the same category, same kind of feel. But depending on the personality of the host kind of varies depending on who wants to listen to what. And kind of the same thing with me, man. I listen to so many different shows that by like the end of the week, it's like I start running out of stuff. So I'm still always right. adding stuff to the bank. And I feel like there's not a lot of just strictly alien slash UFO podcasts. I mean, there, there's a nice chunk of them, don't get me wrong, but not ones that, uh, it's usually like guest type shows. There's not a lot that just kind of cover topics or have like a mix of it. So honestly, I think it's a definitely a good niche and you just got to keep working at it and chugging along at it. And like I said, I'm glad that you're back and doing it again. Yeah. So uh, I guess another spot, you said that uh, when you were young, before we start building into all the different types of stuff that you like to cover on the show, uh, you said that you were involved in some form of a cult. And I'd love to uh, hear more about that and exactly what you figured out as you got older about it. Yeah, sure. Now, well, let me tell you a little bit about myself, just because I, I am a regular guy. So I've been married for 35 years. I've worked for the same Fortune 500 company for 25 years. I'm a college <laughs> graduate. Um, I have two adult daughters, and they're both college graduates. So, you know, just so, you know, because I'm into this weird stuff, I'm, I am basically just a regular guy. And, um, but yeah. Uh, in the, in the early 1990s, um, let's see, I graduated from college in 88. I got married in 89 and I started, uh, a construction subcontracting business. And in, in doing this business, I had a handful of clients that, uh, general contractors that I worked for. And I got this new client. Uh, he was a guy that. I was aware of on the periphery. He had a good reputation. He was a solid guy, a uh, straight shooter kind of guy. And those were the kind of clients I was looking for in that business. And uh, so I was happy to get him as a client. And so we were working together. We worked together on some projects. And um, he, uh, we were working together on a project one day, and uh, a roofing project. And he started talking about some Bible stuff, some Bible quotes. And, uh, I was not, I'm not, I did not have that background. I wasn't, my family didn't go to church. Uh, my mom's family was Catholic. We didn't go to church and I wasn't really into the whole church thing, Bible thing. So, um, yeah, he started talking about this. He started talking about some interesting stuff with the Bible that kind of made it sound pretty interesting to me. Uh, so for example, the, um, he was he's like, well, you know what happened in the Garden of Eden? I'm like, well, I guess yeah, they ate an apple or something. It's like, no, 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 they didn't they didn't eat an apple. They um uh Eve had sex with the devil. <laughs> and um They say the, forbidden uh, fruit, they never actually say yeah, apple yeah, in the Bible, yeah. so, which I always found kind of fascinating. Right. And uh so she had twins by uh two different fathers, Cain and Abel Lavon. And I was like, Well, that's I never heard that before, so that was pretty damn interesting. And uh, then, then some other stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to look into this a little bit more. And uh, he's like, well, you know, this, and he ended up, he gave me a Bible. He said, this, this book is a supernatural book. So 
in order to understand it, you have to, it has to be revealed to you. You can't just read it and understand it. So you've got to pray and ask for wisdom in this book. Just out of curiosity, do you know what version of the Bible he gave you? King James. Yeah. King King James James version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I thought, all right. So yeah, definitely. I'll, uh, I'll check this out. So. I, I was so intrigued that I just started reading the Bible cover you know, from the beginning. And um, so later on, I, I run into him. He's like, hey, how's it going? How's your, how's your studies going? And I said, well, I just started re- reading the Bible from the beginning. And he's like, well, you don't have to do that. And he said, just, um, you just use the Bible as a reference. And um, he said, you know, there was a prophet uh, in the 20th century who was his ministry was foretold in the book of revelations and he went around and he gave the end time message. I said, really? (laughs) um, (laughs) So he's like, yeah, he said, yeah, this guy, um, he, he's, he's mentioned specifically in the book of revelations and he was the, um, the angel to the seventh church age. And, um, he, he, all of his sermons are available in book form and recordings they recorded from the 1940s to the 1960s they recorded all his sermons i was like okay uh so he gave me some of these books and he said just read these books and um you can just use the bible for reference but read these books they are they're the same as the bible i said okay (laughs) so so i started reading these books and um something something happened um when i started reading these books so i i made a connection with something and uh it now this <clears throat> this person uh was an event this prophet he's talking about was an evangelist uh who traveled the world from 1940s to early 1960s i think he died in 64 65 uh his name was william Branham. i don't know if you're familiar have you ever heard that name it sounds familiar but i don't know yeah, i'm not 100 percent sure so i don't want to say I think, that i do well, for well sure. they're, ca- they're called Branhamites now but they obviously they don't call themselves that but this guy, he traveled the world and he gave, um, you know, he preached around the world. He was an evangelist. And there was a tremendous amount of supernatural stuff that surrounded his ministry. Uh, and, and you had, you know, your prophesying visions, uh, speaking in tongues, healings, blind people being able to see. Um, there was a, a light, like a little pillar of light that followed him around, was photographed. There's a famous photograph of this pillar of light uh, over his head. And um, so there was some that was supposed to be the angel of the Lord or whatever. So he was going around giving this end time message and all of the supernatural phenomenon followed his ministry. And from that, uh, that spawned this movement, uh, what they call it the message. So it's, they took all of his, his books, his sermons, they they printed them all, and the headquarters is in like um, God. Where is it? Jeffersonville. Where the hell is Jeffersonville? <laughs> but anyway, this uh, they um, so they got all these books and recordings, and they spread them all over the world. It's called the Message, and um, people call them Branhamites. But anyway, they're it's a very popular kind of a, a, a movement, a sect, and. So anyway, while I was reading these books, I made contact with with something, and um, it began by it was kind of like uh, an energy or a presence that that uh, I felt physically. 
So this was, um, and anybody who's, there are people out there who have experienced this. They'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't experienced it, it's, it's really hard to describe, but it's almost like a pure love energy. It's almost like a big supernatural hug. It's almost like a narcotic type of feeling. And so people would call this the, the Holy Spirit or whatever. So I made contact with this thing, and um, which I could feel its energy and its presence very strongly. And then what happened was, in reading these books, I, it started to open up a dialogue where, almost like a conversation, where I would um, have a question or a thought, and the next thing I put, picked up the book, and there was the answer to the question or something about the thought. So there was this dialogue that began with something, which I assumed to be the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, like the Holy Spirit. So I assumed that was what it was. And uh, this went on for, um, gosh, I was, I was in and out of this for probably 10 or 12 years. Now, when you have an experience like that, it's really hard to, um, you know, if it, if it's given to you in a certain context, this is the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus or whatever, and you have an actual experience like that, it's really hard to kind of discount that. I mean, when you have a real experience like that, you're gonna, you know, kind of, it holds, it holds you to an extent. Uh, so that explains a lot about why people get sucked into cults and they can't get out of them. Um, so anyway, there is a lot of negative stuff that, that went along with this. And, um, a part of it was the doctrine. So for example, uh, you know, women were to be subservient to men. Uh, women could not preach. Women couldn't cut their hair. Women couldn't wear pants. <laughs> um, uh, just, uh, there was all that part of it. And then there was a part of it was that basically you were here on this earth to be tried in a fiery furnace. So you are here basically to suffer and, and be purified. And then eventually maybe go in the rapture or something like that. And they talked a lot about the tribulation period. So the, the, the rapture would occur. This group they called the bride of Christ, which was possibly them, uh, presumably them would go in this rapture. Everybody else would be here for the great tribulation, which be, would be nuclear Armageddon or whatever. I don't know. Um, so there was this heavy, this threat over everybody that, you know, am I going to make the cut? You know, am I going to make the cut and make it out of here? Is my family going to make the cut? And they believed that they were going to see this in their lifetime. So if you can imagine how stressful that is, if you have children, you have family members, who you don't know if they're going to go in this thing or be left behind. And these people were buying this, you know, hook, line, and sinker. So uh, it, it, it was a very negative uh, kind of an atmosphere, very stressful. and Rolling through fear kind of a thing, right? Exactly, exactly. There was a lot of fear uh, in this. And I had a hard time reconciling, you know, my experience in this, this powerful, loving energy with all of this fear and, and all of this stuff. And the people that were in this, uh, and it's, it's very sad. I mean, 
there's people's lives were destroyed. Um, people who um, just got sucked into this and it just ran, it just controls their whole, their whole life. So if you can imagine being a, you know, a, a, a female brought up in one of these families, how that's going to influence your, you know, your, your life going forward. And what if you never get out of there? And so it was a lot of negative stuff, a lot of negative stuff, a lot, a tremendous amount of fear mongering. I listened to, um, sermons where, uh, they would describe like the inquisition, like tortures of the inquisition. Um, well, there's little children in the damn congregation, uh, just really some really negative stuff. And I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm, and I, ne- I never got like a hundred percent into it. And I credit my wife with that. Cause she didn't, she didn't buy into it. She, she came along to church with me once in a while, but, um, yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't buying it obviously. Cause the, the women's stuff was, you know, she wasn't feeling that, but, um, I, I eventually got away from it after 10 or 12 years fully. I got fully away from it. And, um, it was, it's, it's a powerful thing if it gets a hold of you, especially when you have any real experience like that. So, fl- uh, fast forward to, uh, so this would have been like, 1992 through, um, maybe like 2004. So fast forward to around 2013 and, uh, I'm into, I start getting interested in the occult and, uh, magic and, and stuff like that. And, uh, ironically, you're gonna, you're gonna laugh, but, um, my, uh, <laughs> My wife and kids started watching the the TV show Supernatural. I guess you're familiar with that. The, the <laughs> oh, Winchesters, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was it's a goofy show, but a lot of the episodes were based on real lore. And uh, I, it was the real lore that interested me. You know, it was these the real stories that they based their episodes on. And and I got I kind of got into. I was like, this is interesting. So I would go if I you know I would go and research you know, the real lore behind the episode and stuff like that. So I got and me I both, kinda, man. My lady was yeah. into it. And then I got into it because of the, the actual like tie-ins to things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was, that shit was interesting. Um, the show was goofy as hell, but it was the, it was the, the what it was based on was they were, I mean, they researched it fairly well. So, um, yeah, so I got into that and I started, researching some of some of the stuff and they then you have they had the mythology and the gods and goddess type stuff in there and so i came upon an article uh and i i actually talk about this in one of my podcast episodes uh on uh the goddess inanna who was uh an ancient sumerian goddess a, a very popular goddess of the ancient world so she was known as inanna uh ishtar isis all you know a bunch of different names for different times and regions but she had there were temples all over the ancient world dedicated to this goddess inanna she was a very popular uh goddess of, of the ancient world and that was the she, one that easter was based on correct correct yeah yeah uh yeah with and, the whole like fertility god and like the fertility festivals yeah um that was um yeah 
her name, one of her names was Ishtar. Her, uh, I think her real name is actually, is actually, uh, Astaroth. Um, but she's got a bunch of different names, bunch of different, uh, types of incarnation. But yeah, the, that was the goddess that Easter was supposedly, uh, based off of. So she was a goddess of fertility, war, um, very popular, uh, very popular goddess. And her, her story, uh, is very, very interesting. Um, in one of her stories, she actually, it's almost reminiscent of the crucifixion. She goes down into the underworld. She sacrifices her. She's basically crucified and, and resurrected. And, uh, well, as and you know, you're probably aware there's all kinds of stories of the crucifixion, resurrection that predate the uh, the the Bible. So, so anyway, I ran across this article about this goddess Inanna. It was the first time I encountered I encountered her, and um, I was up late before just before I was getting ready to go to bed. I was having a couple cocktails, but nothing crazy. But you know, so I'm reading this uh, article, and I was like, wow, this. This this goddess is pretty cool. You know how cool would it be if we could have temples to this goddess today, like in the United States, where people who chose could go and pay homage to this ancient Sumerian goddess? Like that would be pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. So I I <laughs> I don't even know why I did it, but I just kind of, I kind of spoke to this this goddess, and I I said something along the lines of what I just said. You know, I said. To, Something along the lines, like, well, you see like a pretty cool goddess. It would be really cool if you were, you know, around today and blah, blah. I just like a little prayer to this goddess. So I went to bed the next morning when I got up, there was this extremely powerful energy, uh, in my room that was exactly like the energy that I felt years ago. Uh, in this Christian cult. And it was very much the same type of energy. It was this narcotic feeling, this um, uh, love, pure love type of feeling, like a big hug. And, Is it like uh, a motherly love kind of type of feeling? Like a, yeah, like a feminine yeah. love feeling? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's And like I say, it's really hard to describe uh, there are people out there if they're, if they're listening, if they listen to this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's really hard to describe to someone who's not experienced it. And but a lot of people have experienced it. So I had this, so it was basically the same type of energy, same experience that I had in this other thing. And that wasn't lost on me, but I was like, it was so bizarre that I couldn't, I couldn't put them together. Like, how could this be? Here's this they're like, they're two totally opposite things. You have this Christian thing and now you have this pagan thing, but it's basically the same type of experience. And, uh, I, I really had, I kind of just took it for, okay, <laughs> you know, this is whatever. But, um, yeah, that, that I experienced that feeling for that, that little, that lasted for hours. And I experienced it many more times, uh, over the next, two or three years. Now I was heavily into meditation at that time. I kind of got away from it, but I, I think that may have facilitated that. So, uh, when you get into meditation, you can make contact, uh, with some things. And so I was into meditation at that time. So yeah, that lasted for that energy lasts for quite a while. And I, I couldn't put, 
I couldn't make sense of it in terms of my previous experience. And so I just kind of, I just kind of said, well, it is what it is. So anyway, in the course of my, my research, as I got more into the alien stuff and I started reading like Carla Turner's books and, and I started reading Linda Moulton Howe and stuff like that. And I began to run across examples of people experiencing this energy from extraterrestrials, from from aliens, that aliens could give this give their subjects the same experience <clears throat> that that I experienced. And I said, "Wait a minute, this sounds just like what I experienced here and what I experienced here." And is it relatable to kind of like the Bledsoe case? Because it sounds kind of reminis- reminiscing of like kind of how they describe the feeling of it being like this positive, like angelic kind of feeling. Yeah, I, I believe it is. And the, and it's the Bledsoe case is an interesting case. Um, but and and, uh, and I it's reminiscent of like the, the fundamentalist piece of it where he he really underwent a lot of abuse at the hands of his uh, Pentecostal holiness uh, congregation neighbors. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. The uh, the UFO of God, he goes into that a lot. Um, I have some concerns about the, the Bledsoe case, and it ties in with what I'm talking about here. Um, you know, so it's clearly that these extraterrestrials can convey this they can convey this energy, this feeling. So what is the reason for doing that? Um, I think there's different reasons. There's different factions. There's different types of beings with different agendas. Uh, I really think that the in the case of um, this Christian fundamentalist cult, I, I believe that was just some type of an entity that kind of carved out a niche for itself with this group of people who were very spiritually minded and giving them a real experience and then kind of gathering together and kind of feeding off their energy basically. And I don't know if you're familiar with the, the energy vampires type of things, but yeah. So I, I honestly think that that's all that was. I think it's just, uh, some sort of an entity who I, I have this theory, I called it rogue entity theory. So it could just be uh, an entity that carved out a little piece for itself and um, started you use this guy and uh, this, uh, this evangelist and it started this movement and brought all these, because you have to be spiritually minded to get into something like that. So it, yeah, it, yeah, it takes a certain kind of person. And maybe a person with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of um, prana or chi or whatever you want to call it, and um, which I've been told that I have. So if they gather these people together, and it can and kind of like you say, use fear and all this stuff, and you juxtapose this fear with this love thing, that would generate a lot of energy for something to feed off of. And I kind of think that's what that was. Now, this with this goddess Inanna, I did not get that impression. There was nothing 
And even just reading about uh, those ancient gods and, and goddesses of the ancient world, they were not uh, really into that kind of thing. They were more like light, light bringers. They wanted to kind of uh, uh, educate their human subjects and kind of bring them up. And it was, it's more of a positive thing. But the thing with I, I, the concerns that I have, for example, with the Bledsoe case, is it sounds very familiar to um, this case, actually to the story of this evangelist that I'm talking about. So this, this evangelist was told by an angel that he was going to bring a message to the world. Uh, this evangelist had an extremely hard uh, life. He also lost a, a young wife. Uh, his, he, his first a young wife was killed. Uh, Chris Bledsoe lost a wife, a young wife. He talks about that in UFO of God. And it's, it, Bledsoe's story is tied up in his Pentecostal holiness roots. And to understand that, like he had people coming and throwing holy water on his property throwing holy water on him, uh, talking about him being possessed and that he had gone the way of the devil and all of this stuff. So in, in the, uh, it's the same thing in this church that I was involved in. Like if you aren't towing the line, if you were out of step, then, you know, maybe you were, um, under the influence of the devil or whatever. And if you had a family member or a wife that was out of control, then that was a problem as well. And there were people who suffered. And what happens is, excuse me, um, I actually have pneumonia, by the way. Oh, no worries. I was going to say, you got a, you got a slight cough. I just figured yeah, out. I, I, no, I got it. I actually have, I'll tell you that story. But um, yeah, so the, the life and experiences of Chris Bledsoe, as he describes in his book, The UFO of God, very much mirror uh, the life and experiences of this evangelist, uh, William Branham, and to the point that they had uh, you know, pretty rough time in their lives. They both lost uh, their first wives when they were very young, and they both were visited by angelic beings, and they were both told that they were to bring uh, you know, a message to the world uh, by these angelic beings. So, <clears throat> that leaves you to wonder, you know, what, which of these things are correct? You know, what, what is going on here with these angelic beings and their messages? And I think I, um, I mentioned the Carl Turner's book, Masquerade of Angels, uh, which details the life of Ted Rice, who was another experiencer who was uh, contacted by these angelic beings. And a lot of times what these, what these beings, told him didn't exactly pan out. So <clears throat> I, I just, I have to wonder about what, you know, what is going on here with these beings trying to, to bring messages to the world through these people and the, um, the personalities of uh, Bledsoe and uh, William Branham are also, they're just very similar, just very, they're both decent guy. Chris Bledsoe is a decent guy. Uh, I have no doubt about that. He's just, seems like a very humble, decent guy. And uh, the, the, that's the same way this evangelist guy was as well. 
So the question is, are these people caught up in something that, you know, has something, some kind of an agenda that we don't really understand? And, and what exactly is it? Like, how is, you know, how, how, how is Chris Bledsoe going to bring this message to, you know, to the world? And there's the famous example of the lady who gave him this, this thing. Are you familiar with that story? She gave him this. I don't think I am. She gave him, she gave, so this, he calls her the lady, some angelic type of goddess type being who appeared to him and handed him this thing, which was like a, um, if you could imagine like a, a, a wiener dog without a head, legs or tail and covered in bristles or something. And uh, it was like alive and writhing. And, um, and he didn't, he's like, what, you know, what is this? And uh, she basically told him, well, that's, that's humanity. It's blind. It has no direction. And, and it's up to you to steer them in the right direction. So I don't, I don't know. I, when it comes to angelic beings, uh, hanging around people, tell them to deliver messages. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little suspicious. And to tie in with this disclosure thing, uh, there's some interesting, uh, timeline kind of stuff here to kind of transition. Um, uh, when it comes to tri- to uh, Chris Bledsoe, and if you start in 2016 with the Navy UAP videos, the New York Times article, the the the, uh, the beginning of disclosure, so to speak, and uh, and I'm not a, I I don't even like I'm a person who doesn't need disclosure. I don't need the government. Or somebody to tell me what I already know, you know. And when I mean, you they, don't want to believe half of what the government says to begin exactly, with, anyways, right? Yeah. And, so. I mean, just before we get too far from it, I just want to make a quick comment too. Uh, not necessarily the blood so, but at more so onto the um, the televangelist you're referring to. Um, you know, you, you think about this whole like demonic ritual concept, and it seems like one of the main things is that they get possessed by some spirit and they end up losing a close family member. So you kind of relate that to like a lot of the weird stuff that happens in modern day music. And it kind of runs along the same lines. And I'm not necessarily saying that, uh, like I said, I don't necessarily want to bring Bledsoe into that whole type of thing. But it kind of makes you wonder if it's possible (laughs) that, you know, either one, they're misinterpreting what these beings are that are portraying the message, especially in the televangelist, because he is instilling fear. And you get into that whole like energy vampire concept and it usually right. relates more so to fear than anything. Or maybe there's some type of ritual right that's involved as far as opening a means between the two worlds to make it so that something can get from the other side. And maybe that like assumably it's not going to come from an angelic being, but maybe it's possible that something has to get lost in order to open up that doorway. Um, but at least my mind, just kind of seeing everything that transpired around him specifically. Um, it doesn't seem necessarily angelic, but maybe something else that tried to come across as angelic, but not necessarily angelic, exactly. especially again, yeah. relating with a lot of the more modern day things with uh, a lot of celebrities supposedly selling their soul, quote unquote, and losing somebody very close to them and then being possessed by the spirit of something else when they perform, when they act, which, you know, I'm assuming the televangelist said that he felt the Holy Spirit right before he started doing his sermon. So again, it kind of kind of plays along those lines, at least in my mind. Yeah, totally. And 
like I, I'm not even like an an angel and demon kind of guy. So I think that's a, I think that's a human uh, creation that that we that we use to deal with to deal with things we don't understand. So we don't. Human beings are kind of programmed to need things in, in black and white, good and evil, God and the devil, right and left, you know, Republican and Democrat, liberal and conservative. And I, I really think that this whole concept of this this good and evil battle, uh, I, I don't even know that there is something like it. It could just be a bunch of different entities with different agendas just doing their thing. You know, and we're the ones who are framing it as de- demonic and, because we need to label it somehow. So this is demonic, this is angelic, this is God, this is the devil. When it could just be, you know, beings that are out there just doing their thing. You know, whatever they need to do to survive, whatever to feed off of whatever energies they feed off of. And we're the ones that are labeling it this diff- these different ways. Or you can get that? into the whole Collins elite concept that anything that's extraterrestrial is actually just a demon disguising itself. Like, I know, right? I mean, yeah. I definitely like to entertain all different possibilities. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, like there, you get into the whole thing with, there are people in like high up in the military and uh, who believe that the whole ET thing is demonic. And um, I guess apparently that was something that was kind of styming disclosure is the fact that some of these generals or whatever, people in the CIA, people in government felt that this was totally demonic. These were demonic forces um, at work. But when you consider the uh, Bledsoe, and he got put through the ringer with his community there, he was, he had an illness he had a debilitating illness um which also william branham had a, a debilitating illness um he was cured of this illness supposedly by the the aliens only to get another kind of illness and that's the theme also in these these christian circles is someone gets healed of something then they immediately get sick with something else 
Uh, so Bledsoe was healed of Crohn's, Crohn's disease and only to get rheumatoid arthritis. So what's up with that? <laughs> so the rheumatoid arthritis was, was just as bad as the Crohn's disease. So I don't know if you're familiar with the story. He was, he was uh, like out in the woods fishing with some, his son and some buddies. And he went off by himself and he was in a really low state of affairs. He lost his business. He was destitute. He was sick. And he kind of was at the end of his rope and he said a prayer or whatever. And um, these, um, these red uh, orbs appeared, these craft, crafts appeared. And beings came out. They landed, and beings came out, chased him down, and uh, they they told him, "Hey, look, we're here to help you." So anyway, I think he had some missing time issues in there as well, but he was healed of uh, his Crohn's disease, only to end up getting uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and now he he was when he went public with his story. The Discovery Channel, he, he was talking to a guy in MUFON. MUFON, uh, I, I believe they arranged with the Discovery Channel to do a documentary or a, maybe it was an episode of one of their series. I don't remember exactly what it was. But uh, they kind of they set him up. They um, told him they were coming to his house, and they said, hey, we need you to come to the hotel. He went to the hotel. They dragged him in the room and gave him a lie detector test uh, a bunch of different times until he messed it up. And um, they kind of abused his family. And Mufon was kind of in on it. And they really treated them badly. And so he didn't, all he, this poor guy just got grief um, about his whole experience until, until uh, CIA type started to kind of cozy up to him. And so by 2015, uh, you know, he had met um, retired Colonel John B. Alexander. So he had these, these, now he has all these CIA friends. So the question is, why are all these CIA types, uh, you know, cozying up to Bledsoe? Well, they're cozying up to Bledsoe because they realize that he can do what they can't do in turn, or they think that he can do what they can't do, which is make contact with these extraterrestrials. So that's something they've been trying to do or they want to do. And, but this guy can do it. So now he's their, he's their buddy. Uh, so that's in 2015. He was, uh, by 2015, I think he was pretty much in pretty tight with these types. And if you look at the timelines, uh, 2016, uh, you've got the Navy UAP video. You've got the New York times article. You got the beginning of this quote unquote disclosure movement. And around the same time, what else happened in 2016? Well, uh, Brandon Fugel purchased Skinwalker Ranch from uh, Bigelow. And you heard the expression, all, ro all roads lead to Bigelow. So Bigelow, having owned Skinwalker Ranch for a couple of decades, 2016, he sells it to uh, Brandon Fugel. And then in 2018, you have the Jeremy Corbell documentary on skinwalker ranch and then by 2019 you've got that series on the history channel coming out so if you look at this 2016 time frame and now you've got grush and all these other things coming out i think there's a real effort at controlled disclosure here and 
I think that Bledsoe might be getting kind of sucked into that as well. Uh, Bledsoe is tight with uh, Diana Pasolka, who wrote American Cosmic, and also um, Encounters, more recently Encounters. And these, uh, again, Diana Pasolka is another one who uh, was able to get really cozy with the, these invisible college people, CIA types. Uh, was taken out to like crash sites, got access to the Vatican archives. She's a a, a, a professor of theology, and um, so she's very smart, very bright lady. So, a uh, uh, part and parcel of this is also this kind of religious movement. So there's, it almost seems like there's a an attempt to frame this, the phenomenon in religious terms. And what I'm was really, the, really glad yeah, that you said that because yeah. I was exactly going to mention that, that even Skinwalker Ranch has a bunch of Mormon connections. And of course, exactly. it's different religions, but there's all this religious undertone to everything. And depending on a matter of perspective, either you see it as extraterrestrial or you see it to being connected to some type of religion in some way, shape or form down to what we were saying as far as the ritualistic aspect of things. And I mean, even just UFOs being conceived as like the the chariots that they talk about in a lot of different religious books like there's there's something weird to it and definitely interconnecting. And I've always said I feel like a lot of it is just a matter of perspective, but we may all be talking about theoretically the same same things. Yeah, I agree. And it it seems like with this um this controlled disclosure, it seems like they're kind of bending themselves into pretzels to kind of frame it in this whole religious context. And uh, if you think about well, what was one of the major concerns about, you know, people finding out that we're not alone in the universe? Well, the religions are going to collapse. So how do you so how do you address that? Well, you tie it in with the religion. You make it the UFO of God. You know, you you see what's in the Vatican archives, and you tie it. You tie this all together. Then you can keep those religions propped up because they were actually a part of this thing the whole time and i think just another just, weird way to think yeah. about it too is that it could just be also depending on like what people's perception of is of the world around them uh these different <laughs> beings could just be projecting their image in different ways because even in the, within like the bible looking at it from that perspective you know like the actual true form of an angel like a human can't perceive so they come in this angelic like human-like form so, I mean, if you're looking at it as these things could all be some type of interdimensional beings and just the oh my God. looking at it through a religious perspective, you see it through this way and looking at it through a UFO perspective, you see it in this way, you know, they could all be the same beings, just changing their image and what they look like to society to fit into what is what would make the most sense to society at that given time where, you know, back in the day you had golden chariots. Now you have silver UFOs and rather than this angelic, what they'd call the angelic being with this, which is clearly some type of interdimensional being um, coming across in like a human form. It makes more sense now to the modern day person for something to come from the sky and be an extraterrestrial looking being, some type of alien gray type of being. Yeah, well, totally. These these beings can totally uh, project uh, an image for you to see that they want you to see. That's one of their, their known abilities. Um and uh, Carla Turner talked about that as well in Masquerade of Angels and there are different books um, in abduction scenarios. There are many, many examples of these beings being able 
to change, not necessarily change their form, but change the way that you see them. And um, there is a, um, uh, in, uh, gosh, I think it was, it might be on Into the Fray, an episode on uh, Into the Fray. Uh, there was a guest on there who, well, a really amazing guest, and I can't remember the name of the episode, but she talked about her experiences throughout her life. And in one example that she gave, uh, she was lying in her bed and a, uh, a gold disc came into the room and uh, materialized uh, next to her bed as a beautiful woman with long flowing blonde hair, you know, angelic looking creature uh, person. And um, she said something to the being of, well, I know that's not what you really look like. And the woman said, well, if you want to see what I really look like, look out the window. And she looked out the window and there was a praying mantis. Um, so there's many examples of these beings can, can uh, make you see what they want you to see. And even examples of uh, reptilians being able to re present themselves as Nordics and different stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because even skinwalkers too slash shapeshifters. That's always been my theory on it is that they're not actually physically changing their form, but rather just projecting an image of what they want you to see onto you. So you know, by wearing the skin of a wolf, for example, now you can make somebody perceive you as that wolf. And I don't know if you've ever heard my reptilian experience, but um, for all the listeners that may not be familiar with it, there was one day I was at Myers a long time ago. It was like uh, the beginning of the pandemic and everything. And I was just ranting and raving about something in line. And this lady turns around to me and lowers her mask. And I see this like reptilian overlay over her face. And then she puts it back up and turns and keeps talking to the person she was talking to. So ever since then, I've been pretty convinced that it's, again, just a matter of perception. And these things aren't actually like physically changing form. And this goes across the board for all of these weird types of beings and entities. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, what's that movie with Roddy Piper? They live. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You exactly. Need some glasses to put on. You can see them, but, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. They can. Um, and, uh, especially with the reptilian types, it's that it's, yeah, I've heard many examples of that. Um, so basically the, uh, they can project this human image over top of their real image or whatever somehow. And I think David Icke talks about that a little bit. Um, I've heard uh, Linda Moulton Howe talk about that as well. Uh, but I'm not like, I don't, I don't get, I don't like to kind of stereotype these entities. Like, uh, you know, all grays are this, all reptilians are that all Nordics are this. Um, and a lot of that goes on. I, I just don't, I just don't know. I don't like to, because ge generally people say, well, reptilian, reptilians are bad. Um, you know, Nordics are good. <laughs> of course, the Nordics are, you know, attractive blonde people. <laughs> reptilians look like alligators. I mean, it could be the so. same as people, though. Yeah. Not yeah. every single person has exactly. the same intentions. Yeah. Yeah. It's You can't say the entire race is inherently good or bad. Right. It's, there's, it's each individual one's idea, unless it's like a hive mind type of creature where they're all thinking the same because there is some type of basic hive mind to it. Assumably every single one you encounter is going to have different experiences and different intentions on what they're trying to do right. when they're making contact with you. Yeah, exactly. So 
kind of getting back to the disclosure thing, um, like I've, I've never understood the idea of needing this headline that we're not alone in the universe. I don't need a headline for that. I know that uh, anybody with common sense and does a little bit of research would know that. And I, I think even the very term of disclosure, uh, it, it implies that you're, you are giving power to something to provide you this information and this knowledge. And I, I don't think that's a good idea to give power to whatever controlling entities there are, because they're only going to tell you what they want you to know and what they, what is exactly. useful, it, whatever, it, whatever is useful for them to let you know, that's what they're going to do. And it's uh, disclosing or uh, it's controlling the narrative rather than actually disclosing the information about the exa- specific exactly. topic. Yeah. They've hit a tipping point where it's now it's time that, you know, they have to kind of drip some of this stuff out and that they're going to drip out what um, they need to know. They're going to use people uh, an unwitting types of folks. So you may have players in there who are, you know, they're part of it. You may have just unwitting folks who are just kind of being taken advantage of. Um, and I often gonna, wonder if they trickle out the information to try to get information in themselves. So if they kind of just release a little bit, the hope is that people will come to them with more information. Yeah. So it's kind of just like letting it out to pull more in. Yeah, that, that could be as well. Totally. Are you familiar with the soul foundation conference, UAP conference? Uh, is, no, I'm not actually. Yeah, this is, um, well, I, I got on Twitter, uh, X back in October. And, um, my God, dude, the, those people in there are crazy, but they're, they're, they're all into stuff that you know, like you don't even see on Instagram, but they're all wrapped up in this disclosure stuff. Well, there was this conference, um, Stanford university, the soul foundation, which I guess is a think tank of some sort. So they issued invites to certain people to come and uh, come to this conference about it was a UAP conference. So, so it's a UFO phenomenon conference at Stanford University uh, to uh, kind of discuss the phenomenon. There were there were guest speakers, there were attendees, and um, so different people were invited. But then some surprising people were not invited. Uh, These folks seemed like they were handpicked. Yeah. And I, I was, I had this quote, I can't remember what what it was, but it was about musicians like pop stars. Like they're not picked for their talent anymore. They're picked for having a certain look and a willingness to cooperate. I think that's almost what this soul foundation was about. And so you had this, they handpicked all these people. From there were podcasters. Uh, there was a pod, there's a podcaster who has only had a podcast for like a couple years. Was invited to this thing. Uh, I don't think Linda Moulton Howe was invited to this thing. Uh, Richard Dolan, I believe, was a presenter at this thing. But this, but this thing was kept under wraps. You were not. They were not allowed to take video or recordings of it. Um, again, it just kind of like I think the Diana Pasolka was there. It just all, it all smacks of, uh, you know, this controlled disclosure and framing this narrative. And just like anything else, you have this select group, like an elite 
that always come rises to the top of any movement. And then they're controlling it for, for everyone else that, you know, you and me, they're releasing the, you know, the narrative for you and me, they're framing the narrative, framing the narrative for you and me. So the deep, dark secrets that are out there, I mean, they'll never, they'll never let that stuff out. I mean, there are people who know about things that have to do with the human soul and extraterrestrials that have to do with the the origins of humanity that they can't look, uh, let out because, uh, it's, it's just too much. So they're framing the narrative. They're definitely trying to wrap it up with religion, uh, to kind of keep that, that they don't want the, um, the whole, uh, religion, uh, crashing down because of disclosure coming about. So they're kind of definitely, there's a concerted effort to, tie this in wrap this up in religion as well so it's uh yeah just playing devil's advocate on this one too considering that a lot of these elitists seem to be involved in some like heavy occult concepts it almost makes you wonder if it is the opposite that they're not trying to intentionally wrap the ufo stuff into it but rather they're actually trying to trickle some of their occult practices into disclosure so that because maybe there is the truth to it that it is all occult based to begin with. Because I mean, like, if these controlling powers, the elites, are fully aware of everything that's going on in the universe, realistically, and they're still heavily linked into occult practice, there has to be something to that. Otherwise, it would also disprove their religion, unless they're also trying to connect it into religion so that it makes sense to them and they can keep continuing on with their occult practices. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a fair point. Fair point. Now, uh, occult practices are like anybody can do occult practices. Um, the elites, not just the elites, uh, like any uh, anybody can do some research and can can do uh, occult practices. Anybody can do some research and learn how to do how to basically do magic um, and apply it in in your daily life or whatever. But when you get into, like you say, a group that is kind of putting it all together and gathering their energies up for one agenda. Yeah, that can be pretty powerful. Absolutely. I mean, it may not even necessarily be like magic. Like we perceive it. I've talked about this a few times on the show that, you know, it only took, it took a matter of time before alchemy turned into chemistry. Um, I think a lot of these like occult mind control concepts that people perceive as magic are actually just the master understanding of psychology Right. So maybe rather a lot of these occult practices, rather than being, quote, magic, it's actually a science that hasn't had a name planned out for it yet, necessarily. And it may not actually be religious tied, but rather that there is a science base to it. Like a lot of like the, the occult stuff has to do with like opening doors, opening portals, so to speak. You know, maybe that's not magic, but rather a science that they're opening portal doors into other dimensions and other realities. Because it seems like everything's kind of two-sided, like I said, that a lot of these like angelic beings, a lot of these um, aliens, for example, all seem to be interdimensional beings. So again, maybe it's just a matter of knowing how to open up that doorway, and then these occult practices will just turn into some type of physics, for example. Yeah, well, uh, magic is very scientific, and uh, it, it's, it's all about energy. Um, so it's, to- it's totally science, uh, you know, and it's just sim- a matter of understanding yeah, and giving it a exactly. new name. 
instead of it being a magic name. In its simplest form, uh, magic is 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 just the the raising and the directing of energy through intention, and that's all it is. And and energy is just like it's electricity; it takes the path of least resistance. So, yeah, magic is totally totally scientific. It's absolutely based in science. And and so, uh, so there are people who know this <laughs> and and that's these are the occult, you know, practitioners that you're talking about. See, and that's what I mean, even like the build up to that is just a master understanding of psychology because they learn how to control people in order to portray whatever message they're trying to do because exactly. even when you get in these occults, only the high ups really understand everything that's going on. Everybody that's below them thinks they're involved in something bigger, but realistically, it's just a method of control over these people and breaking them down to a point where they can make them do whatever they want to do and die for their secrets. So again, it's like, it all kind of ties back to there may not even be necessarily like magic as most people perceive it, even within like Freemasons, but rather that it's just a master understanding of psychology and how to completely manipulate somebody to the point where they'll die for your secrets. Right. Right. But uh, I guess, um, you, did you say that you had some uh, some other experiences too that uh, that you wanted to share too? Uh, well, as far as experiences, um, I when I was into meditation, I got into uh, I, I made contact with all kinds of crazy stuff, and uh, yeah, I I started using like a pendulum to um, kind of communicate, and that was pretty interesting. Uh, cause I read online how to make this pendulum and I was sitting at, I was sitting at my desk one day and I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna, I had some black thread and I had like an old dried up bone or something. And I made this pendulum and I, I put it out there and I said, is this okay? And the thing started going and I immediately put it down. I was like, holy shit. And, um, so yeah, I had this whole, uh, experience with this pendulum that I um, conveyed into uh, like kind of like a Ouija board. So you could, I, rather than use a planchette, use a Ouija board with the pendulum and um, could kind of get different messages and stuff like that. But the only issue with, with that is, uh, you know, you don't know who or what you're talking to a lot of times. And then it gets a little out of hand with um, different beings wanting to, wanting to chat with you <laughs> and you kind of have to shut it off. Um, so that, that was one experience that I got into with meditation and I had a lot of different encounters like with energies. So if a, if a, if a particular being showed up, like there were different beings that you could get different energies off of. There was one that almost it, like whenever it was around, it almost found, uh, it felt like you were going, you were on a roller coaster, like in the pit of your stomach, um, that kind of thing. Uh, so there was that kind of stuff. I have seen some UFOs, just kind of your typical fleeting UFO experiences. Um, I saw the, um, a couple of the big red, orangish, uh, orb type UFOs. Um, I saw one, uh, just went out, out my drive. I like took the trash out one night and, uh, there it was. It moved, um, it would move a short distance, kind of leave a trail of itself that trail would catch up with the main object and it would move again, kind of like an inchworm or something. It did that like four times. And uh, of course I didn't have my phone with me. And uh, so I'm standing there, I'm debating, you know, do I go try to get my phone or do I just stand here and watch this thing? (laughs) So obviously I went in to get my phone and obviously by the time I came out, it was gone. Um, 
So, you know, fleeting kind of UFO stuff like that. I did have recently uh, a pretty interesting experience um, with an orb. Um, so I was sitting in my living room and I, I get some strange aircraft flying around uh, my house. And there were some what would clearly sounded like jet fighters uh, flying around. And that happens occasionally. So I was like, what the hell are they doing? So I'm, I'm going to go out and try and get some video. So I grabbed my iPhone, went out on the back deck, and um, my, my iPhone is dead. So I'm like, all right. So I hear these jets flying around, and um, I see uh, this orb. It's just like a white uh, kind of orb, and it's flashing. It's staying still. And um, so I'm just kind of watching it. I hear the jets. They sound like they're flying off. So I said, okay, I'm going to go in and get my, uh, my work phone. And I came back out and, uh, I got some video where you can hear, kind of hear the jets flying off and, uh, you can see this orb still, still in the sky. It's kind of good distance away. Um, it's stationary. Uh, it's blinking white, just white, uh, kind of random, random blinking. And, um, so I got, I started taking some video of it and, uh, I got this, uh, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it a download or whatever, but I got some information from this thing and, um, it was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, and, and it, it's like, if you, it, it, again, it's just so hard to describe because you think in terms of something talking in your head to, to it telepathically. Um, but it's, it's not like that. Um, it's, it's like a like, thought projected in your head. It's rather an, than enti- actual, an entire like, thought. Yeah. Yeah. Coming into your that, brain. Yeah. Um, totally, totally it's not like, like that. somebody word by word telling you a thought. It's just an idea and a concept is put into your head. Exactly. Exactly like that. Exactly like that. And, um, the, the idea was, uh, it had to do with. Um, basically that this, well, whatever it was, it, it did not, it was not, it did not like the fact the concern was that, uh, folks taking videos of these things just for the sake of taking videos of them and putting them online. Uh, and the thought was that there's something more to it than that. And the thought also was given to me that the timing of this happened when they knew my phone was dead so that I wouldn't be able to take the video, but I did get my other phone and I came out and I took the video. So the thought was, it was, uh, it was against, uh, it was not only just people taking videos to take videos and put them online and say, look at this video I took, but also all the hoaxes out there. So it was like one big thought about, uh, I guess basically uh, maybe social media or something and all these videos and stuff that people put on there. Uh, but the, but it was, they did not like the idea of people taking videos of UFOs just to put them online. And that was it. They also did not like the idea of the hoaxed videos and all of that being kind of mixed together in one conglomeration. Of, of videos that there was more to that. And, uh, another thing that came in line, uh, came along with this 
uh, kind of ties in with what we were talking about was that um, there were people basically being selected um, unwittingly for the purpose of um, to to be used to kind of this to be used for this controlled disclosure that we've been talking about. So that was part of that thought. So I actually, um, I said to this, to this orb, I said, well, can you, um, can you shoot off or anything? Like, can you, I wanted to make contact with it. And, uh, when I, when I asked that it blinked out and, and then it, then it came back a few seconds later. So then when I looked at the video later, um, it did shoot off. You just couldn't, you, you can just barely see it shooting off. It looks like it's blinking out, but it did shoot off. So I made a deal and I said, look, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share this video. I did. I got the video. I said, point taken. And, um, I'm, 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 I'm not going to put this on my Instagram or anything like that out of respect for the message that I got. Now I may, um, I think I've gotten, I think I'd be okay. Like at some point posting it, like I have a YouTube channel with absolutely nothing on it, you know, and, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe with an explanation of what I just told you or something like that. I think I would probably be okay with that. I think I would still be within my deal, but I kind of made an agreement. I said, okay, I, I understand. And, um, you know, out of respect for you, you know, giving me this information, I'm not going to do, uh, the thing that you don't like. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting little, interesting little, uh, experience there. Um, I've actually heard that from a few people that one, you're supposed to like, it, it kind of gets into that weird paranormal aspect to it, where it's like, I've heard from a few people that you have to like ask permission before recording these things that only certain people are intended to see these things that they don't actually like being recorded. And that if they are letting you record them, it's for a whole other intention and, um, possibly even slowly kind of trickling in to let people know that they're there. But I've heard it from a couple different perspectives. So I'm glad that you brought that up because you're not the first person that I've heard that from. And, and uh, connecting back into the first thing that you mentioned, I wanted to ask, have you ever heard of um, Dan Baldwin or George Sewell? Because both of them uh, actually made contact with extraterrestrials through using pendulums. So might be an interesting guest that you could possibly have on your show. Or, you know, maybe even talk to them uh, a little bit about what you were doing. And maybe you guys can start connecting some dots together as far as like using a pendulum to make contact with not just the paranormal side of things, but also the extraterrestrial side of things. I have not heard of those guys. Did you have one of them on as a guest recently? Yeah. Episode uh, uh, 173. I had them both on together. Oh, okay. No, I remember seeing your, um, uh, your, your Instagram post about that episode, but I hadn't, I hadn't listened to it yet, but yeah, totally. I'll check that out. Yeah. The pendulum. So I'll have to send you the information too. There might be a good guest for you guys to bounce back and forth. Since a lot of you guys, since you guys have, have the same, uh, experiences with using yeah. the pendulum. Well, I went, well, what's interesting. I had a friend who, um, uh, was kind of into this stuff a little bit. And, and one of these entities, uh, I got to know pretty well. And I, I knew, I knew it was a female entity. I knew her name and everything. And, um, I talked to her frequently and, um, I was just like, do you want to go hang out with this guy for a while? 
And it was like, yeah. So I gave, I actually gave him the pendulum that I used to communicate with this entity. And, and he was able to commu- like at his house, communicate with this, <laughs> with this being. And, um, he would tell me messages that he got and everything like that. So I just, yeah, this, uh, be- this entity went and hung out with a friend of mine for a while. Um, so that was, uh, I think that might've spooked him a bit because he, had, I was going to say, it makes you wonder what it might actually be on the other side. He, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, he kind of, he kind of got away from it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, that was, now I haven't messed with the pendulum for a while because, uh, it just got like, I would get a lot of like false stuff through it. And then, like you say, I don't know who, and I wouldn't know who in the world was, uh, you know, on the other side of it. Um, it's like playing a uh, chat roulette without a camera on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but, even without a microphone on, cause you yeah. can't even really get an idea of the voice. Just imagine chat roulette with just text. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it was, in- yeah, it was interesting, you know, um, you definitely make contact with the, the other side or, or whoever. Um, there were aggressive, um, there were, there were a couple aggressive uh, type entities who would, I mean, they would really make that thing go. I mean, <laughs> they practically spin it, spin it around. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty interesting, but I wouldn't recommend it, you know, for the long term. <laughs> <laughs> especially not in your house because no. otherwise you might end up pulling some attachments in that you yeah. don't really want to have at your house no. <laughs> but uh i guess uh kind of starting to wrap up towards the end and of course i'd love to have you back on at some point because this has been an awesome conversation and absolutely fascinating and i'd love to get some more of your opinions and thoughts on different things but uh i always like to wrap up the show with uh words of wisdom so if there's any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners what might it be ah words of wisdom well uh if folks who are into this, these strange phenomena, whether it's UFOs, ETs, whatever, just use, uh, you know, use some discernment, you know, believe half of what you see, none of what you hear. Um, trust your gut. Don't believe everything that comes down the pike. Um, because there's, uh, one thing that Diana Pasolka said in her book, American Cosmic, that, I, that was kind of stood out to me was she, she said that uh, the world of ufology was a carnival of hoaxes, misinformation or hoaxes, consumerism and misinformation. And I think it's really important for folks who are into this to, to be responsible and exercise some judgment and recognize, you know, it's a, it's a, like Linda Moulton Howe referred to what she called a 16 layer chess game. That's what this is. And, uh, you know, just, just be responsible, exercise judgment, trust your gut. Don't believe everything that comes along, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater either. And, uh, that's the, it's, it's a, tre- it's a treacherous, uh, road, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of rewards there, but I guess that's my, that's my words of wisdom. I definitely agree with you there. There's a lot of misdirection and I say it frequently on the show that people need to learn how to trust their gut on certain things and throw out certain things. You have to discern it for yourself. You can't just take somebody else's blind opinion on something. You have to create your own conclusions and thoughts and theories and and ideas on anything based on the information that you have. Excuse me here. I'm going, but, um, if, um, 
what was I going to say? That it's not a popular uh, position to take. Uh, you can disagree with one person, you know, like on one thread or whatever. And next thing you're a troll, you're a debunker or whatever. Uh, so being responsible and exercising discernment, it's a, it's, it's a challenging position to take. Because when people are throwing their stuff out there, they want you to swallow all of it. And uh, that's just like say, that's just not me. It's not me. So you I'm know, with for, you on that for one. example, I you know take Bob Lazar. Um, to me, I to- I I find Bob Lazar very believable. Uh, my gut tells me that he's telling the truth. When you listen to him talk, and uh, he he only talked about what he knew. If he didn't know something, then he'd tell you. I didn't I didn't have any experience with that. I only worked on this. This is what I saw. This is what I know. And he only talked about what he knew. Now, if you take other folks that are making claims, uh, for example, William Mills Tompkins uh, worked on the Apollo program and other things. This is the guy who says that um, there are extraterrestrials waiting on the moon uh, who gave the Apollo 11 astronauts the finger. Um, I don't think I believe that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I just don't think I believe that. Um, and, uh, this is the guy who had, who said he had, uh, a Nordic, uh, secretary for three years when he worked, uh, at NASA. I'm like, really? And so you had a hot chick Nordic secretary. You have this advanced being who's, you know, working as your secretary. you know, come on, dude. So anyway, it sounds like a sci-fi comedy know, or right? something. So yeah. I was going to say with Bob Lazar, at least like my opinions on it. I mean, everybody obviously create your own ideas and opinions on things, but the guy never made money off of his stories. Uh, anytime he got paid to speak at events, he would put them back into like, uh, like charities for uh, teaching kids science, things like that. So he never really made any money off the story whatsoever. Uh, the dude had a lot of issues with just going about life in general because all of his information got deleted. And on top of that, he never was like, oh, yeah, I saw aliens. There's aliens here. There's aliens there. Like, I don't know, just more things that kind of get included that make the story more believable as far as I'm concerned. And the fact that he talked about there being the big openings in the sides of uh, different like mountains and and cave dwelling areas. And, uh, you know, people have found weird things like that on Google Maps, too, ever since he told his stories and encounters. And there's been firsthand encounters of people seeing these big things that look like doors that are in the side of mountainsides and stuff. So just, again, more like connecting factors that, at least for me, it's a believable story. But again, everybody create your own opinions on it. Yeah, and he's, he, he tried to stay under the radar for, you know, decades as well. He didn't, he didn't want to talk about that. So he didn't talk about this until... He didn't come back out and start talking about it until just recently. I mean, he kept his, he, he stayed mum for quite some time. But, um, so yeah, I'll tell you the story of my, uh, real quick before we go and you can include this or not. It doesn't matter. Um, but I've, I had, I've had a harrowing holiday season here. So, uh, Monday night I was carrying some Christmas totes up and down the stairs. And, um, uh, late Monday night, I started having some pain in my chest. I thought, oh shit, I pulled something, right? And I pulled shit before in my chest, carrying shit around. I was like, all right. So I tried to sleep it off Tuesday morning. It's worse. Ah, shit. I said, I'm going to go into the urgent care center just to rule out any heart issues, right? So I go in there and I tell him what's going on. The doctor comes in. You know, after I pay my $50 copay, and that's when I got decent insurance. Um, 
He's like, well, I can't rule out heart issues. I said, don't you have an EKG or something you, you can hook me up to? He's like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. Like, all right. So he's like, you know, you got to go to the ER. I said, like, oh, great. So I head out to the ER and uh, we had this torrential rainstorms over the weekend. So the small city that I live near, the main six-way highway that goes through the city, about a half mile of it was shut down. It was flooded. So I'm trying to get to the ER, and there's a detour. So I turn into this detour, and I see the longest single-file line of fucking cars I've ever seen. And, I, and my chest pain's getting worse. So I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die in this detour. Uh, this must be my time. So anyway, I, I, tur- I made a U-turn. I got out of the detour. I went almost all the way back home, went back into town the other way, got into the ER. And um, so go up to the, the window there, and the you know, lady asked me what's going on. I said, I, I have, I'm having chest pain. Now, if you ever go to the ER and you want to assert yourself to the front of the line, just tell me you're having chest pain. Because I was in a room, and I, had, I was hooked up to EKG in like three minutes. And I, 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 I wanted to, I wanted to take a leak. I said, I'm going to hit the men's room for like, nope, get in that room. And I was hooked up to the EKG that the other guy said, didn't tell him anything. And, um, so, you know, I, they put me, so they hooked me up to the EKG. They wheel me into a room. Um, they, uh, they let me take a leak and, and then they want me to pee in a cup. So I go and 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 that's a challenge, you know, for me. Like I'm a big guy. Like I can't see that fucking cup down there, right? So I go pee in the cup, and uh, and then you get, you know, when you really got to go, then you got to try to figure out: do you start? Do you start in the cup or do you end in the cup? Because I'm going to overflow this cup. But either way, you got to figure out how to start halfway. Stop, stop halfway, right? So anyway. I get back in the room and the doctor comes and he says, what do you know about AFib? I said, well, I, I don't know. I've heard about it on TV. And he said, well, you, he said, well, you've got, uh, you've got AFib, uh, pretty bad. And I said, oh, okay. So he said, but you know, we can treat it with medication, everything. I'm like, okay. So the, um, so, so I get the, they give me some IV medication for the AFib, but it turns, they take blood work. They give me x-rays. And then before he leaves, like the, the guy says, he's like, are you coughing at all? I said, well, maybe just a little bit. He said, well, you've got, you've got pneumonia. <laughs> so my chest pain <laughs> was from the pneumonia and the AFib was just like a, was a bonus, you know? And so, yeah. So I had the chest pain was from the pneumonia. Like it was hard to breathe, like just to breathe in. So I was like, oh, oh awesome. So now I've got. Uh, as a result of this AFib, I'm going to have two more meds to add to the five meds that I'm already on. So, you know, I'm 58. So, you know, years ago, I swore that I would, Big Pharma wouldn't get me, but now I'm the fucking poster child for, for Big Pharma totally. But, uh, (laughs) so yeah, I got two more meds to get on. So that's all, that's all part of getting out. So anyway, I told, when I got home, I told, I told my wife and kids, I said, you know, I said, I bet that AFib is from the vaccines. Now they're they're not they're not anti-vaxxers. So uh, my daughter said, um, she said, you know, you're right now you're at a you're you're at a comfortable stage of crazy, 
but you know, just don't don't push it, don't push it. <laughs> so she was she wasn't having the anti-vax stuff, but uh, yeah, safe so. and effective, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but I, I don't know, man. I think it might have something to do with that vaccine. Uh, well, I guess all fun. those kind of things will only come out in the wash, man. It just takes time, uh, uh, yeah. And we'll start seeing stuff pop up, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, I've I've seen some pretty disturbing things, but oh well. Hey, it's been a it's been fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So. Absolutely. And uh, before we start wrapping up completely here, uh, for anybody that wants to come and find you on the internet, find you on Instagram, find your podcast, all of that, let them know where they can come and find you. Okay, so the podcast is called Aliens for Beginners, and it's on uh, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, you know, all the various platforms uh, where you get your podcasts. My Instagram is at Aliens for Beginners Pod, and I'm also on X as at AFB Podcast. I think I have all of 13 followers on there. But I'm not on the premium. I'm just on the basic on, on X. But, uh, yep, that's where you find me. And, of course, to all the listeners, I will include all of the links down in the show notes so you guys can find it quick and easy. And, uh, Patrick, I thank you for making the time to come on today. And I'm looking forward to next time we get to come around to it, man. Sounds good, man. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And of course, share this episode word of mouth if you think that there's anybody else in your life that would greatly enjoy this episode or if you think that there's somebody that may not enjoy it. Why not? Just share it with them. You never know how their mind might come around and they might actually start getting into all these different ideas and concepts. And uh, if anybody wants to report an encounter, you guys can do so through OMM Encounter Reports at Outlook.com. Or you guys go to the link tree, fill the submission form specifically for that. And uh, we can discuss if you want to get it talked about in the show. Uh, you want to keep it just between us. You want me to come out and investigate it. But the only thing going to happen is if you guys report your encounters, of course, to me. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me for any other reason whatsoever, you guys can do so through social media. Instagram is the one that I'm the most active on. Or you guys can get a hold of me at Inquiries of All Reality Podcast at Outlook.com. Or go to the link tree, fill the submission form that says contact me, of course, and that will go directly to my email. And uh, make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get from you guys. And uh, everything that I mentioned, all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. 
everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.